Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We truly hope you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Um, a few things I want to share before we kind of get going in here. Just some, I think, really exciting news. And I think Aaron is in teaching youth group. But we do want to announce that the Aaron's really been promoted here to a New Hope administrator. So if you see her, congratulate her. Erin Hosmer, I still have to remember it's Hosmer and not to Corey. So I'm sorry, Perry. Um, but uh, we've known Erin a long time. Erin has been taking over all the office administrative duties really at New Hope for the last six plus months, all the communication, all the emails you see, the communication comes from her. Um, she really runs a lot of the stuff here behind the scenes, and now she's picking up a lot of the financial aspects as Mark transitions. Uh, you know, there, Someone's got to count the offering and the giving and send out reports on it, pay bills. So Aaron's taking on a lot of those responsibilities too uh, with Mark, me, and the trustees overseeing that. Um, but so Erin has really, really stepped up, and it's a, she's been a really ble- a big blessing to us and to this house. So if you see her, congratulate her on that. Um, she's going to be in the office here probably about four days a week now in the mornings. Um, so, so it's really exciting. That's a sign of growth when you see that. And new people coming up and expanded hours in the office and everything, it's exciting. So um, so remember, who was here the last Sunday in December when I shared about you know, taking some time to do reflection over the year and everything and then you know, pray for the upcoming year? Um, so, so we did. We talked about that, just some fun things to do to actually take time as a couple or as an individual to look back over the year, go through all the things that happened, the, what the themes God spoke to you. Or the themes that you can say, okay, this was a year of breakthrough for me, or whatever that was for you. Or it was a year of, you know, my dreams finally setting, I feel like I set course in that direction. Or it was a financial breakthrough year, or whatever. But record those things down, you know, because it's nice to look back at and to look, uh, you know, to know where you are. We, we had a funny, funny time this year. We actually tried to do some of that with our kids and sat them down and just said, hey, we got them each a little journal and said, let's just think about all the great things that happened this year. And, you know, I have an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And it wasn't to, like, you know, just very, very simple, basic. But um, So they write things down like, I was in this play this year. It was so awesome. We saw Star Wars movie. that was, like, the highlight of their December, you know. Uh, whatever it was. Um, but the challenge we have is we have a five-year-old who's very adamant about what she thinks she can do and what she can't. So, you know, of course, she's got to do everything that her older sisters do. So, you know, we can't leave her out. So we got to somehow include her. Um, but we almost ended our session with Joy sending her up to her room because you're grounded because you're not listening. And She's, we just had a lot of laughs. So she's five, and she wants to be able to write like her older sisters, who they just sat down and wrote in their journals and wrote and wrote page after page while she's learning her letters. So, you know, she wanted to do it and tell her every letter that's in every word. Okay, so now, okay, so I went to here. Spell that for me. D, O, and it's like, no, we're going to be here for eight hours trying to do that. So she got upset because she wanted to write it, but she can't. So uh, we just had a lot of laughs. So I thought I'd give you that report that uh, we tried. Um, but uh, it actually ended up pretty fun. The girls had a blast doing it. And it was light. It was fun. 
but even trying to do something like that with a five-year-old is uh, a real challenge. So I don't know if I totally recommend it. Um, but the whole theme of encountering God, I felt like Jen preached our message this morning. So wasn't that good? Oh my gosh, like nothing like hearing a real-life story and example. I mean, that's the type of stuff God came so that we could encounter him, not just learn about him, but actually meet him and experience him. So that is so awesome. Um, You know, we're on this theme. I don't think things just happen here by accident. I think God leads us and he sets us up for things. Um, We talked last fall about the arena, you know, getting into your arena and people's arenas becoming enlarged, and that happened so um, it happened to me, and I wasn't expecting it. Uh, Mark, even, I mean, many others in here, we shared a lot of testimonies uh, and stories of God preparing us to engage in our arenas that he's called us into. Some have multiple arenas. Some have just one area of focus right now, and that's like totally fine. Give yourself to that, whatever that is, whatever God's called you to do, and do it with excellence. Um, but that was cool. We've already seen this progression happening. Um, and so we felt like months ago, just about starting the year off, really highlighting something that's been so integral to New Hope about encountering God. And not just knowing about him, not just knowing in our head, but encountering him and experiencing him. Um, so we're going to be spending a couple months really on this topic, hearing from a lot of different voices in those who have you know, experienced him in many and different ways. It doesn't have to look the same, uh, and it shouldn't. I mean, God's, a, like Jen said, a creative God. He's super creative. So, um, so we're going to be talking about this. And on, if you want to mark this date down in your calendar, um, January 23rd, which is two weeks from yesterday, is a night of worship here at New Hope. Uh, we're going to be, uh, Michael Wally is coming in here, Sarah Wally, Michael Wally, if you remember, he led worship or sang, did a special song after the Welton Academy graduation last year. He's got just an amazing worship gift, and he's just like a, just a great musician. He's got an amazing heart for worship. Uh, he's going to be with us, leading the team here, and Micah and Sarah Wally will be with us here that January 23rd, so definitely mark that down. That's going to be very uh, important for us, launching together. And then all of this building up to even Bill Vanderbush coming here in mid-February, who's just got a, a global platform, and he, his whole heart is on encountering, experiencing God. He's deeply prophetic. Uh, he's just going to be awesome. We're going to have him here for a weekend in mid-February. So, uh, so stay tuned. You know, there'll be more about that coming. Um, but I want to today just kind of lay some foundation, share a little bit about my story uh, and also just kind of lay out some vision for the future, some stuff that, uh, you know, some things that are new, um, new in a sense, but I think God's highlighting again, uh, and maybe share some things you haven't heard before. Um, but I am, I'm thinking about, and I don't see Chris here today, Chris Cachette. Um, we did, back in November and December, we had what we call New Hope Life classes. We brought in about 40 new members into New Hope, and um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was Chris shared with us in the group that he had responded to a message that he heard three years ago or something, a Just Do It message that Tim gave. And it was a message he heard, and he responded to it like it was a Just Do It, like just do what's in your heart. If God stirs something in you, go after it and do it. And that changed Chris's life, hearing that, and he responded and he felt like, I'm in now. 
You know, I, I'm going to go after this thing. Um, and what I really thought of with him was he didn't just respond for himself. He responded for his generations that are coming after him. A shift happened in the Keshet generation because of that Sunday where he responded to God. And God tugged on his heart and he said, yep, I'm going to go after that. I'm I'm in now. I'm engaged in this. And we have to understand that the manner in which we respond to God sets in motion things in the generations to come. And it's not just for us. It's not even just for others we're going to meet today out in the workplace or wherever, but we are responsible for setting the direction for the generations that come behind us. That's pretty powerful. That makes everything bigger. So when you respond to God, think of it in that sense. Your obedience just set in course you know, something that you will never be around to see, uh, but has eternal significance. And I think as believers, we, we have to think like that because it's true. You know, we just don't often think about it. That happened with us in, in my family. In, in 1983, I was five, so you can do the math and figure out how old I am. It's not that exciting, but um, we, we really had went through like a whole family transformation with my mother's side of the family. My aunt, Ellen, actually, who went to this church for about 10 years, pulled into this parking lot on accident. She was upset about something. She pulled in here crying. Somebody just, you know, obviously wasn't chance, it was God, went out and met with her in the parking lot, uh, shared a little bit about the Lord with her, helped her, encouraged her, and actually encouraged her to come back here some Sunday. Now, she was not looking for that. It was an absolute divine, supernatural thing that she happened to be here in this parking lot that day. She ended up coming to church, you know, which was way off her grid at the time. She came, she got saved. Um, Not long after that, uh, my grandmother, who attended here for many years, got saved. My parents came to know the Lord. Uh, My aunt and uncle in the same family came to know the Lord. And my uncle, who had uh, severe cerebral palsy, my uncle Jim, who actually came here for years, um, he came to the Lord too. So, like, we had a major influx. Our whole side of the family, my mother's side, came to the Lord within a year, like a year period of time. Wasn't it, Dad? Maybe a year or two at the very most. Very fast. And before I knew it, you know, I was enrolled here in a day school, in a Christian school, and, I mean, God just, like, totally intervened, changed the course of our whole family really fast. Um, it's amazing. You know, I, I got saved here when I was five years old down in what was a kindergarten classroom downstairs, and now my kids learn about Jesus and have encounters with God down there. Uh, it's kind of crazy when you think about how God can just change and transform I mean, a generation like that, you know, that's what happened. You know, and, um, you know, some encounters with God are very dramatic or, you know, like there was a pivotal point. You know, we're going to hear about one next week, you know, share that there there was a a major breakthrough that happened. Um, Mine was more of a series of encounters over the course of my life that have shaped on where I'm at today. Um, you know, and there might be some of you out there, as I was preparing, that I thought you might be first-generation believers where you came to the Lord and there was a lot of hard plowing of the ground. 
because you had to rid and you know we get saved we come to know Christ and then that inner sanctification process starts happening and you know we got to get stuff out of our heart and God deals with our hearts and changes happen behavior changes as a result all types of things and that can take years we just grow we grow in God God uses people in our lives to speak into us and you know change happens and transformation happens so I just encourage you, if there are, can you raise your hand if there are first-generation believers? Like, you came to know God, and you had, you had a lot more work than many of us have had. I think that's really pretty remarkable. So easily we can look back and see where we're at, and we're, you know, whatever, we think we're great. But those that came behind us plowed the way so that we can stand on those shoulders you know, it's amazing. You know, when I drive through mountains, Joy and I were driving uh, through Colorado here, year, I think last year, a year or two ago, driving through, like, the mountains, and you're like, wow, those people who paved these roads so that we can just cruise on them at 75 miles an hour and just enjoy the scenery, do you know how hard it was cutting through rock and granite and change? And it's mind-boggling, you know. Uh, that's what happened with my family line and my parents and so many out here that are first-generation believers. It really is a thing where we got to honor you and say thank you, you know, for all the hard plowing and for dealing with the things that God highlighted in your lives so that we can stand on a stronger foundation. Um, so, yeah, so I got saved when I was five downstairs, grew up in this church, um, Ended up dating my wife here, um, you know, and we dated, you know, through the end of high school and into college. Uh, I led worship, grew up here as a worship leader, a musician. I thought I was going to go into music full-time at one point in my life, and God changed that. Um, funny story there was, uh, you know, I was going in for more for business, and uh, I went for, to Roberts for, got a music scholarship to do a minor in and I was still on that fence, you know, Tim will remember this, but like, are we going to go full-time and be music teachers? Or, you know, we really wanted to, you know, whatever it was, make a career out of it, you know. And I remember I had good counsel at the time for my dad, and there's nothing against music teachers, but God just had a little different path for me. But it was, I felt like I was supposed to do business. And, um, you know, so I went in, I talked with my guidance counselor, and my dad was there with me. And before I knew it, they had me signed up for all music courses, because if you've ever worked with music, I mean, they're, if, if you have a talent, they're going to get you in their program. I mean, they're just the ultimate recruiters, you know. So before I knew it, I had like a whole class list of all music. And I remember my dad saying, what the H-E-L-L is oral skills. A-U-R-A-L, oral skills, which was in music as dictation and singing and everything. And my dad was you know, thinking I was going more into business, and I'm so glad he was there that day to say, I don't see one business class on this list of courses. So uh, we still laugh about that to this day. But I love music, too. I mean, so many people I know went that path. For me, I felt God tugging me in a different direction, so it's nothing against that. Um, I ended up minoring it and sang in choirs my whole four years there, took piano lessons and loved it, and I use music to this day. Um, but, you know, God had a little different path for me. So, uh, so I'm glad my dad was there with me in that very beginning because I'm not sure I would have got maybe been doing all different music stuff or, you know, wouldn't be where I am today. So, um, But my first year of college, uh, so I went to college there. Uh, I had a, an event trigger in my senior year of high school that really sent me into what was a depression. 
And I, I haven't dealt with this a lot in my life, but I can look at this one time I had where it was like a definite identity crisis. Like, who am I going to be? Which direction am I going to go? There was definitely, it was a demonic thing. It was a heaviness that kind of was trying to settle over me. I felt like it was a, it was a fight for where I was going to go and who I was going to serve. And I think I dealt with it for like over a year. You know, I, went, I thought I was going to go more scholastic routes and just immerse myself into reading and writing and all this stuff. But, um, but it was definitely a depression, a little bit of a disillusionment. Nobody really would have known it. I was leading worship. You know, it wasn't really that apparent. But, um, but it was pretty, uh, it was pretty intense year. And I remember very distinctly that God used a book at that time in my life to break me out of it. And we all encounter God in different ways. But I, I read a book. Uh, at the time, it was called The Final Quest. It really snapped me out of this thing. God supernaturally broke off, used that to break off a depression that was holding me back. And, um, you know, I've never been the same since. So for me, that was like an absolute pivotal time. Like I knew that I had a purpose and a mission for my life from that point on. And I've never really looked back in that sense. God's changed and, and done other things in my life. He's helped me see him even a more, like Jen said today, see him as a loving father, that he's not far off. He's right here with us. He said he'd be with us. Uh, but that's part of my journey. So I remember that very distinctly, my first year of college, just having a major breakthrough, a depression lifted off, a supernatural breakthrough, uh, set me on a new course. It wasn't long after that that I had a prophetic word about the King of Hearts. They saw a picture of the King of Hearts, and they felt that I had a heart after the King, and that was going to be a, a mission and a message of my life, was having a heart after the King. So that really set me on a trajectory. But I just share that to say, you know, there's different ways that we encounter God, you know, and you're going to hear about a lot of different ways. So don't ever think that, well, I need to try to be like that person. It's, that's not the point. Uh, actually, that's like harmful. But don't, so don't get stuck, uh, stuck thinking about what it has to look like. We don't want to put God in a box. If he has to move in this way, he can move in very different ways. Just because your encounter looks different than someone else doesn't mean it's less than someone else's. So, you know, when we try to get in competition, and, you know, it's like that's, you know, so not helpful. Um, so just, in, you know, get, find ways to meet God, to encounter him on your terms. You know, he might use a book. He might use a friend. He might use, like, prophetic ministry that's happening today to break something off of your life. Uh, it might be like Jen going through Sozo, an inner healing ministry, which, by the way, a lot of us have gone through and many multiple times. So sometimes you just have something, you hit a roadblock in your life and, you know, I just feel stuck. Well, go get some prayer. Get an encounter. Spend, you know, go to Sozo. I mean, that's what it's there for. It's not just if you have to feel like, oh, my life has to be a mess for me to go do it. No, it's, it's for anybody, you know. I remember hearing a while back, Bill Johnson goes through it every year. I mean, I think he's like one of the most healthy people I've ever heard in my life. So if, if it's good enough for him, it should be good enough for us. Um, so I want to lay now a little bit of biblical foundation. So if you can turn to, if you have your Bibles, or pull out your iPhone, or your iPad, or your whatever, uh, your Samsung. John 1. The book of John 1. It's on page fifteen, fifteen. In my Bible. 
Okay, so um, I just think it's neat to lay some foundation as to encountering God. This is cool because John was writing to his audience at the time. And, you know, if you go farther in in John 5, it actually says something like where Jesus said, you are searching the scriptures because you're think, you think you're going to find me there. Well, I'm right here. They were all searching the scriptures looking for, some, you know, and he was right there and they didn't recognize him and they didn't want to receive him. So it doesn't mean anything negative about the scriptures, but I, I got to tell you, sometimes I've heard over the years, you know, people get nervous about encounters and experience because they feel like everything should be just reading the Bible or God only speaks to you through the word. You know, I'm more concerned about those who haven't experienced or haven't encountered uh, you know, because you can get a strong biblical foundation, but the whole point of the Bible is that it leads us to encountering God. You know, so God absolutely can speak to us through this, but He can speak to me through Jen's testimony today. He can speak to me during worship today. I could have had a transformation during worship. So, like, let's not be so stuck on that. So, and I think John highlights this in John 1, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. You know, the Logos is Jesus revealed. It wasn't just a canon of Scripture. They didn't have a full canon of Scripture at that point. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. And I think it's interesting because John there is writing. He's bringing them back to Genesis. You know, What's Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. Here he starts it out. In the beginning was the Word. You know, Jesus, the Trinity, they were in the beginning with God. Um, so now let's skip down to verse 9. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world uh, did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He's saying there, now the kingdom of heaven isn't based on ancestral lineage, or you know, who you, what line you were born into, or you know, how hard you work. That doesn't get you into the kingdom. It was, he gave us the right to become children of God, regardless of male or female or Jew or Gentile. And then verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that is a cool scripture because and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That really could be translated and tabernacled among us. So that you look up that root word. So again, John's bringing them back to end of Exodus where there was the tabernacle set up out in the wilderness you know, to meet and experience God, the high priest, once a year. So and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. God came to live and to dwell among us. And we saw his glory, and glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, and he cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. 
For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law, or that could be said, for instruction was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through a person. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. He's saying Jesus has made known God the Father. You know, Jesus is the revelation of the Father. You know, the Logos was Jesus Christ. You know, in the beginning was the Word. It says he was in the beginning with God. So he, a person came down, Jesus, fully God and fully man, so that we could experience him and not just know about him. Um, you know, we sang that song earlier about for, you know, he is good. Um, I think that's so powerful because, you know, he never, when, when I was singing that, I was just thinking, yeah, he is good. We've got to keep reminding ourselves of that sometimes. You know, when we go through trials, he never promised it would be easy or that we would never suffer or never go through tribulation. Um, but he did promise that he would always be with us. And if you've gone through challenging times, and I think of some of ours in our marriage where it was, I felt at times we, where it was overwhelming, or I, I remember distinctly times where we were going through some real challenges, health challenges, where I felt like I couldn't get out of bed in that morning. And I remember that at one period of time in my life. And, but I remember God with us. I remember his presence. I remember him giving me strength to keep going. And that's the God. That's the God that we experience. So turn to 1 John 1, which I think is also a, another great one on this whole theme here. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be complete. You know, and that is so cool. That's like John saying, we've met this person, you've got to get to know him. You know, it's really what he's saying there. You know, we, what we've seen and we've heard, they've experienced it. We proclaim to you also so that you may too have fellowship with us in our fellowships with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You know, you don't fellowship with a book, you know, as great as it is, and I read it all the time, God can speak to us through it. But it is about experiencing a person. And if the Bible doesn't lead you to experiencing him, then I question the lens that we're reading it through. You know, so I've been, I've been there, believe me. It, uh, the fruit isn't great. So, so that's that. So we have got to have a continual revelation of the goodness of God that is based on experiencing him. And I always think it's funny that you have to feel like you've got to defend that. Um, as much, I mean, we have a Bible school here that's been birthed out of here. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a huge, avid reader, always have been. I love theology. I love learning. Um, but I felt challenged recently from the Lord in the last year was don't give up on experiencing me. And no matter how busy we get, set aside time and be open to how I want to move in your everyday life. And experiencing God is like, honestly, sometimes it's me driving to work. 
and God gives me a download of things on the drive. I have like a half-hour commute every day. could be longer if people don't know how to drive in snow, uh, unfortunately. But I get more downloads from the Lord. Some weeks, you know, I'm preaching that Sunday. I have no message ready. And then God gives it to me Friday morning on the way to work and lays it out and so I can just go to the office and write it down. That has happened before. I scramble to get it in my notes. I mean, God, it, he just don't limit the way that you can experience and hear him and encounter him. Uh, it's, it's so cool. And I love how God is so diverse and creative. But here's the reality is that we, we can't camp out on experiences that we had 20 years ago. You know, I, I love hearing about them. I shared some today, and I think those can be those you know, altars that we lay, that we go back to once in a while, and it's like, yeah, I remember when God met me here, and I'm going to share about it. It's going to be part of my life, part of my experiences with God, but we need to be, keep pushing forward for more. You know? uh, if you haven't had a fresh encounter, um, you know, ask the Lord why, or open your heart back up to that. You know? Sometimes it's just we just get really busy. I was listening to a podcast not too long ago, and uh, this one happened to be a Bill Johnson podcast. I listen to a lot of them when I'm in the car, lots of different people. And I heard him say something that I actually had to stop and like, did he just say what I thought he heard? Like I had to rewind and actually hear this. But he actually said, it's selfish not to want more. And I thought, wait, what did he just say? I went back, I rewinded it which is hard to do when you're listening to a podcast in the car. Joy, sorry, Joy, I'm not supposed to be doing that in the car. But It is selfish to not want more. To not position yourself for more is to live a self-imposed, restrictive lifestyle that says, I don't ever expect to do all that is in my heart. And I thought, wow, that is really true, you know. To not push on for more, to not want more of God or to experience more, is uh, you're, you're making a decision there, too, for your generations to say, you know what, I think we're, we're going to stay here. And when God maybe had all of this, you know, out there for you, you know. So it just stirs us to, you know, keep going. Position yourself with people who are farther along than you. Make sure that you have friends who are hungry. You know, um, you ever heard that statement that you're the sum of your top five friends? Sometimes you can look around and say, yeah, if you're not moving anywhere or going, then look at who you're around, you know. I, you know it's just true. I mean, it's true in, in business, in any area, if you want to be successful, look and see who you're around. Um, you should have a steady dose of people who are farther along, that are speaking into your life, that are challenging you, that are encouraging you to push on and press forward. So that's it. I just wanted to share a little bit of foundation on the experiencing, um, you know, and uh, I just think it's helpful to kind of look through what does the Bible actually say about this? And we see so much of it in the New Testament. We see Paul talks about some experiences, encounters he had that he doesn't even talk about. And he went off for a period of time for like three years. You can, it's, you know, historians believe he went to Arabia or the desert and really encountered God after he came to know the Lord. You know, sometimes we come to know Christ and then we have those years afterwards where it's challenging, you know, it's all exciting in the beginning, but then when he starts dealing with our hearts, it's like, oh, I want to run and hide and go hide in the desert, you know, it's like, so, you know, Paul had some of the most incredible experiences, and some of it, he said he couldn't even utter and speak because of what stuff that he heard in the heavenlies, so, you know, if Paul did, I mean, it's certainly a door is open for us, um, but I would just want to share a little bit here in kind of closing, uh, just some things, uh, you know, 
I think a lot of us, we were talking about having time at the end of the year to look back on the year, ask God for a vision for you for the new year. I do this every year. I take off personally the week after Christmas, and I just, it's my time to not have to respond to work emails or calls or meetings, and uh, I spend time with the kids and family, but I, I seek the Lord a lot for the new coming year and for the years following. Um, and God, again, this year just downloaded a lot of things to me. And um, just, I had tons of meetings with people, many of you here about vision. And, you know, I had so many calls, right, Joy? I mean, that week we just had people texting and calling saying, God is stirring this in my heart. Can I come share it with you? And we just had our schedule cleared. We said, sure, come on over. I think we got more excited than they did half the time. Um, but a lot of people here in this room that we met with, and that's a sign that God is, is stirring stuff up here. And, uh, and that's really cool. If you think of, um, yeah, I'll get to this in a second. But um, So last year, I began the year, and then we talked about it for a while, with vision and core values. We talked about vision and you know, who, you know, it's imp- more important to know who we're becoming necessarily than right away where we're going. And we talked about things like, you know, we want to be a vibrant, multi-generational family, that we see a uh, you know, supernatural culture, a very healthy environment, you know, just things that we envision and that we see. And we talked about the core values that we have, that we share, supernatural, kingdom-minded, freedom, um, knowing your identity, um, you know, just you know, seven or eight of them that, are, that we've talked about a lot. As, as I was coming into this year, I felt very distinctly from the Lord, and some people in this room helped shape this because, you know, you listen, you know, when you know, we're associate pastors here, you listen to what's going on out there and what God's showing many of you, and that helps shape even the direction that we go. You know, we hear from the Lord, but here it isn't one person deciding everything. Where, you know, it's, it's a very collective thing. So some of the things that I heard in the pictures that I think the Lord showed us was a picture of New Hope and a boat. And, um, you know, it's a very, very nice boat. You know, very, uh, it's been, you know, here we had gone through some trauma some years back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And since then, it's been a time of God doing healing and solidifying and healing. And, you know, he's restored a lot of things, um, which has been very healthy. We had Harold Everly come in here two years ago, prophesy that this is a healthy place. He said it. He doesn't, didn't know us. You know, he, he said this is a healthy place, and it was a season where we were going to have new families joining, and there was going to be lots of new families coming. Some of that's already started. Um, but I think I keep going back to this picture that the Lord showed me and talking about with others was this, you know, yeah, we're a nice boat. It's healthy, it's been in many ways restored. It's not perfect. You know, we have flaws, and of course. But it's time to set sail in a direction. Like, we know who we're becoming. We know, you know, what our values are that hold us together. But um, I felt for the first time for us, for New Hope, and we've talked about it as a pastoral team, that it's time, we're going to start being deliberate in setting sail in going in a direction. And it's not like a 180 or anything like that. But God has spoke for us year, over years at New Hope about being a resource for the region and for Rochester. And we have had words upon words over the years, whether it was an apostolic center, a sending center. Um, the word that I heard from the Lord was watering the region, 
that New Hope was called to water the region. And I'm talking not just Chile, but Rochester. That we are called to be a blessing in Rochester, uh, watering this region, you know, with the goodness of God, with the health of this body, welcoming people in. Uh, you know, people come in here, they experience God, they, they go out and they live life out there and their jobs and everything, and they're watering the region wherever you are. Um, but this whole thing of that God has spoke for years about us, being a resource for the region, that we have a message here that needs to get out. Uh, we've been talking about that for this year, getting deliberate about that. You know, there's a lot of messages here. People are tuning in from all over the country to hear, and a lot of us don't think about that. Uh, we have a supernatural Bible school that's been really started and kind of birthed out of here that comes back here every year and meets. And we've got 1,300 students that kind of know what's going on here, you know, and they're pastors and they're all over the world. So um, we're hearing this thing about getting prepared. You know, let's get prepared to be a blessing to the region. Um, and what does that mean for each one of us? So, you know, I'm not sending, you know, making a, we're not making a huge change here, or a major turning point. I'm just saying we have to kind of see that for ourselves. We've been hearing these words for years and we almost got to, you know, at some point kind of come into agreement with that. And for this year, we're going to be deliberate and taking just a few steps in that direction. Having Bill Vanderbush here in February is part of that. You know, we're going to open that up to other churches, and there's a lot of people who want to hear him and hear about God and God's love, and we're going to be a blessing to the region. We're going to be doing some more events this year where we're bringing in speakers, kind of, you know, just different, you know, with a larger platform here that is going to bless the region. And, uh, that's really exciting. So I want to um, kind of, I want to show this word. You can put it up on the screen, Brian. This was a prophetic word over New Hope in 2005. I want to read this together, but you don't have to read with me. I'll read it over you. For the Lord declares over this house, enlargement, enlargement. You shall not be able to hold back the inflow of seekers, those who will be drawn by genuine integrity, those who will be drawn by real love, those who will be drawn by the power of my spirit. And you will not have a reputation simply for healing or simply for the supernatural or simply for worship. You will have a reputation that goes something like this. You have to see it. You have to experience what God is doing to believe it. And so right now we speak north wind, south wind, east wind, and west wind. Send your people from afar, those that you have already touched, Send them to the place that you have prepared for them to be birthed, to be received, to be filled, and to be trained for your kingdom. You are a kingdom people, says the Lord. That was a word that was spoken over Carl and Susie during their final presbytery here in 2005, really before Ralph took the reins there. Um, And there was a very healthy transition that took place. Um, But isn't that encouraging to see and to look back on and say, wow, you know, we are in this season. I mean, we've had multiple words and other people coming in here. Harold Eberle, this is a time of increase. God's bringing in families. You guys have a mission here. We have a mission to fulfill. And it's to be a blessing to the region, not even just our body here. And we do lots of things, you know, to help make it a healthy community. Prophetic ministry here that's going to be happening Sunday. We have the Sozo, the inner healing ministry. We have a real focus on worship and healing and supernatural and um, but it's time for us, I think, to start thinking bigger and um, to start just thinking bigger. For y- you individually, God, what do you want to do in me this year? 
you know, what, how am I to be, how do I get to be part of this, you know, because it's exciting. Um, we've been talking and praying about it for years, and we have felt this trajectory of things moving in this direction, and it's part of our job as leaders and pastors to say, we're going to be deliberate and start making steps to go in this direction. Um, we're praying about some big, you know, uh, changes here, even in the sanctuary with this year, with carpet and lighting and uh, chairs, I mean, you know, just like getting ready, getting this place ready for what God wants to do. So, uh, so it's exciting, but I think what I really liked in that word, if you want to put up the first part of that again, Brian, because I thought this was cool, um, but the whole thing about enlargement, enlargement, and I love especially the first half, that you will not be able to hold back the inflow of seekers, those who will be drawn by genuine integrity, those drawn by real love, and those drawn by the power of my spirit. And you won't have a reputation simply for healing or simply for the supernatural or simply for worship. You have a reputation that goes something like you have to see it, you have to experience what is God is doing to believe it. To me, that's exciting because that's how I think of God. Like, you know, I can't really sum up how God has worked in my life in like one quick thing, but you just, you have to get to know him you have to experience them. You've got to put down roots somewhere where you can begin to grow and have that transformation start taking place in your life and in your heart. Uh, and that's God. That's how God works. He uses each one of us in each other's lives. That's why when I hear, you know, I'm going to my Starbucks church, I'm like, well, great. You know, you can go have your Starbucks church you know, by yourself, but you're missing the interchange that happens and how God uses each one of us to sharpen each other. You know, sometimes when you get offended by someone here, that's part of normal being in a family. I mean, that's like what happens in families. You know, we have a really healthy family, I think, and you know, we'll still have a little scuffle at Christmas with somebody. I mean, it's like it's not Christmas or the holidays if you don't have some little family challenge to work through, you know. I think of that like the body of Christ, you know. I mean, it's like we got to get over it. If someone offends you or something, use it to grow and develop in your life with Christ rather than, you know, get too offended about it. Um, go to the person, talk about it, you know. We, we do that and we try to practice that here. Um, so let's just stand together. I just want to kind of pray over us. I hope you're encouraged and excited. I know I have been, we're going to be hearing a lot more about this stuff. This was just one of the words that we wanted to release today, kind of over new hope that was spoken as part of our future. Um, but we're all part of this, and this is about all of us joining together and being ready and being deliberate to be used by God and to be a blessing. You know, it's a privilege. So, Lord, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing, for what you're saying. We love you, God, and even today, Lord, many of us here um, have been saved and known you for years, and some for decades. Some here may not know you at all and feeling this tug on their heart, like, I want to get to know him more. Uh, and if that's you, come up and talk with us at the end. But, Lord, we just we want to open our heart to you in a new way this year. And even now, whatever that means for you, we want to raise your hands or whatever. But, Lord, we open our hearts to you in a new way to say, Lord, not just in our minds, but even you do a work in our hearts. Lord, that our heart is open to you. And I feel like some of you just need to say that even in your spirit. You don't have to say it out loud, but just say that, Lord, my heart is open to you this year to learn, to grow, to open my heart to others, to put down roots where you're calling me to put down some roots.
But Lord, we just uh, we believe so much in the power of God and the power of transformation and the difference you make in our lives and the impact that we have all over this region in upstate New York, even on a daily basis, wherever we work or wherever we are working in extending the kingdom of God. And we just say more, Lord. Where you said enlargement, we say yes. We say yes, we are ready, we are excited. And Lord, teach us even in our own personal lives what that looks like to be more deliberate in preparing for that. And Lord, we just are so privileged that we can be used by God. And I think there's nothing more exciting to be used by God. And I pray a blessing over everybody here today, Lord, that you'd bless them, even as Jen talked about earlier, and dreams. And I pray for new dreams, new visitations from God this year that you'd wake us up in the middle of the night just with dreams, that we'd have to have something there to write down and go back and look at later. Lord, even in our times of worship, that we'd experience you in a new way, and that we every Sunday we come together, we are ready to engage our hearts in worship, and we are coming expectant. Uh, and I think of the word John Lampanero had over us years ago, that if you honor and respect my presence, I will increase it. So, Lord, we want to honor you. We want to honor your presence in this place, in our lives, in our homes. And we know that you're a good God, and you will increase that. So, Lord, I, I, just, I bless everybody here today. Bless everyone's week, health, finances. And thank you, Lord, that you're a good God. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please join us again sometime and be sure to check out our exciting resources 